Joe Biden is showing you exactly who he is. And I think it's time we take a deeper look since the mainstream media isn't doing its job. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. We are rounding the corner into month one of the Joe Biden presidency, and it is very clear that the mainstream media loves Joe Biden, that they've got their new boyfriend, that they've got their new crush. Uh, A lot of these journalists have been completely embarrassing themselves over the the past couple of weeks. We had one journalist talking about, you know, Joe Biden and Joe Biden during uh, Valentine's Day, you know, cackling about sharing coffee. Uh, You have outright lies being told by Biden and Kamala Harris and in these journalists, these people who were the guardians of truth during the Trump era. Remember that? They were the guardians of truth and democracy dies in darkness and all of that stuff. So now, you know, they're taking a nap for the next four years, just like they did during the Obama administration. But I think it's time that we take a deeper look into exactly who Joe Biden is, exactly what he believes and exactly what he's doing. Now, there was a very good opportunity to do so during the CNN town hall. And I watched this town hall and and I really did because I think that it's my job to really know what's going on, not to just hop on the talking points and not to just be a hacker. I really want to know what's going on. There are some pretty disturbing things going on. And the first thing, and this is not new to anybody that follows me. This is not new to anybody that has been uh, watching my videos on Instagram and following my tweets. It is basically Joe Biden thinks that black people are stupid. The left thinks that black people are stupid. Democrats think that black people are stupid. This is just a fact. This is just a reality. This comes out in basically every bit of policy that they promote, every time that they are forced to answer questions about African-Americans. So there was a moment here where Joe Biden is asked about the coronavirus response and in the vaccine availability, particularly when it comes to to blacks and Latinos. And, and this gets a lot into the racialization of what's going on with coronavirus right now, but I really want you to listen to this clip. The uh, the other part portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens or at, at, at the particular store. So Joe Biden thinks basically that black people are too stupid to to use the Internet to figure out how to get the coronavirus vaccination or to find out where they should be vaccinated. And look, there is a long history of this stuff with Joe Biden, if you want to call it racist, if you want to call it the fact that this man is 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 quite obviously when you look at him in these interviews and when you look at him operate, it's quite obvious that this guy is not playing with a full deck. It's quite obvious that that he's slow, that his brain is just not working the way it used to be. But like I said, these racial gaffes go back a long way. Remember, before the election, he was doing this interview with the the Charlemagne on The Breakfast Club. This is where a lot 
lot of politicians go to to pander to African-American voters. And he said, well, let me tell you something. If the choice is between voting for me and voting for Donald Trump, you ain't black. Remember that? He actually said this, okay? He literally said that black Americans are not black if we do not vote for him. If this is not racist, I don't know what racist is. But at that point, even now, he's got this rapid response team in the form of of these blue checkmark journalists that run around to say, oh, well, this is what Biden really said. This is what he really meant. You know, he said Poor kids are just as smart as white kids. Look, Biden has been doing this stuff for a really long time. The list goes on and on. And I want you to think just for a moment, if Donald Trump had said that black people and Hispanic people are too stupid, they don't know how to use the Internet in order to find out news about vaccination or where their vaccination site is or, or anything like that. It would have been nonstop news literally for a week straight. It would have been all that anyone spoke about. And this is a double standard that we're dealing with here when it comes to these media and these journalists covering this Biden administration. It's ridiculous. There's this racialization of this coronavirus pandemic that's going on right now. And I think that this is very interesting to really dig into because you have this coronavirus pandemic and you have the left. I'm I'm telling you, the left has race, race, race. It's literally all they have. So they're throwing race into this coronavirus relief because it's all about what about uh, black and Latinos? Are they being tested? Are they getting the vaccinations? All of this stuff. This is operating at a very basic level. Well, let's just use me. Case in point. Who should be first in line for the coronavirus vaccine if it was me or a 90 year old white lady? Obviously, the science dictates to us that the 90 year old white lady should be first in line for the coronavirus vaccine before me because I'm young, I'm healthy. There is a 99.9% chance that this virus will not kill me. As a matter of fact, I already had the coronavirus. It was a bad couple of days, and then I moved on. This is a logical, kind of science-based way to think about this coronavirus pandemic. But the left, as much as they love to be the party of facts and science, this is what they say, this is not a logical thing, because they're making every single thing about race when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic response and not taking into account things like the age of people, not taking into account things like comorbidities. And this is another way in which black people are always spoken about on the left in terms of victimhood, in terms of lack of access, in terms of whatever. So if they want to talk about if there are African-American seniors who are not getting the coronavirus vaccine at the rates that they should, let's talk about that because that actually makes sense. But to lump all black Americans and all African-Americans into one group when it comes to the coronavirus vaccine, it's this really weird racialization of the coronavirus response. And I'm telling you guys, it really does lead into the racialization of everything when it comes to how this administration deals with every topic, uh, particularly how soft they are on China. And I'm going to get into that after the break. So Biden is soft on China. Everybody knows this. I don't even know if this is debatable at this point. There was an answer that he gave to the question about China during this town hall that I think really shows you exactly 
what he feels about China and exactly how afraid he really is to take them on. Now, to give you a little bit of background about this, and and I'll go into a little bit more of this after we listen to the statement, we know that China is the site of, of so many human rights abuses, one of the most egregious of which right now is their treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. In China, these people are being put into concentration camps. The female Uyghur uh, Muslims are, are, are being raped. It's, it's really, really bad what's going on right now. This is no less than a genocide. And, and the Trump administration had said so much before, before Trump left office. So taking that into context, I really want you to listen to his answer when asked about China. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China, and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country and they, their leaders are expected to follow. This is ridiculous. First of all, genocide is not a cultural norm. And genocide is exactly what is happening to these people right now in China. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on this, you know, a little bit from the New York Times and a little bit from the BBC, because facts really do matter. And I and I really do want to clue you guys in on exactly what's going on. So this is from the Times. Basically, since 2017, uh, Xinjiang leaders pressed by Mr. Xi have begun or stepped up policies intended to transform the Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities into loyal, largely secular supporters of the Communist Party. So what we have is China going out of its way to basically re-educate, quote-unquote, and re-indoctrinate these people into loyalty. Security forces have sent hundreds of thousands of Uyghurs, possibly a million or more by some estimates, to indoctrination camps intended to instill loyalty to the party and break down adherence to Islam. The Chinese government has defended the camps as benign vocational training schools and disputed the estimates of inmate numbers without ever giving its own. Former inmates and their families who have left China have described harsh living conditions, crude indoctrination, and abusive guards. So this is a background of exactly what is happening right now. And this kind of stuff is what separates America from China. This kind of stuff is, is what separates us from basically communists, right? This is the Chinese Communist Party, and they need to be stood up to because we would never treat people that practice different religions like this in America. And it is up to us as world leaders to stand up forcefully against this stuff when it happens in other countries, particularly countries who are dead set on overtaking America as a superpower. You know, the left, they like to play these morality games. This is a moral issue. I strongly believe that. 
And so this is from the BBC. This is a firsthand account of a woman who was in one of these concentration camps, basically. Firsthand accounts from inside the internment camps are rare, but several former detainees and a guard have told the BBC they experienced or saw evidence of an organized system of mass rape, sexual abuse, and torture. I'm going to try my best to pronounce her name. Cerne Jiadun who fled Xinjiang after her release and is now in the U.S., said women were removed from the cells every night and raped by one or more masked Chinese men. She said she was tortured and later gang-raped on three occasions, each time by two or three men. This is tough stuff, folks. This is horrific. This is a human rights abuse. And Joe Biden is so weak as a leader that he cannot stand up forcefully against this. This is the issue when it comes to the left and language. And this is the issue when it comes to to PC culture and all this stuff is that it goes too far. Remember, he said that, oh, that we have to recognize different cultural norms. And he was basically giving Jinping a pass for all of this stuff. He was giving them a pass because he was too afraid to stand up to China. Having a president who is weak on China, having a president who refuses to stand up forcefully against this kind of stuff, this is scary stuff, folks. This is not getting a lot of attention in the mainstream media because they do not want you to think about these things. They do not want you to think about Joe Biden in this way because they do not want you to think about America's standing in the world and how competitive we are to be against China If we want to exist, we cannot be competitive against China if we have a leader who is so weak that he won't even stand up to stuff like this. This is actually crazy. It really is. And I'm not one to do the the fake outrage thing. You guys know me. I don't I don't get into that. I'm not always outraged about things, because when you exist in a state of perpetual outrage, when the outrage comes, you know, it's read as faked. But this is outrageous. And it's outrageous that we have a media that will not push back on this stuff. Anderson Cooper stands up there at the town hall and just nods his head like the sycophant he is. And this is what we're going to be dealing with for the next four years. So this is why facts really do matter. This is why context matters. And I guess it's going to be up to people like me and other independent journalists and and media outlets to to really bring this stuff to the forefront. Because you ain't going to be seeing this on CNN or MSNBC over the next four years. I will guarantee you that. Next up, there was one good thing that Joe Biden did during that town hall. Yes, one. And I will tell you exactly what it is after the break. So one thing you know about me, I'm not a fake person. I'm not going to sit here for the next four years and just bash Biden and bash the administration, all that stuff. There's going to be some crazy stuff that I will tell you about, and I'm probably going to be against 90% of it. But there was one good thing that Biden did during this town hall, and it has a lot to do with this student loan, quote unquote, crisis that we're in. I want you to listen to how he responded to a voter that is pushing for large-scale forgiveness of student loan debt. Loans are crushing my family, friends, and fellow Americans. Me too. (laughs) The American dream is to succeed, but how can we fulfill that dream when debt is many people's only option for a degree? 
We need student loan forgiveness beyond the potential $10,000 your administration has proposed. We need at least a $50,000 minimum. What will you do to make that happen? I will not make that happen. It depends on whether or not you go to a private university or a public university. It depends on the idea that I say to a community, I'm going to forgive the debt, the billions of dollars of debt for people who have gone to Harvard and Yale and Penn and schools, my children. I went to a great school. I went to a state school. Um, but is that going to be forgiven rather than use that money to provide for early education for young uh, children who are come from disadvantaged circumstances? But here's what I think. I think everyone, and I've been proposing this for four years, everyone should be able to go to community college for free. For free. That's... That costs $9 billion, and we should pay for it. And the tax policies we have now, we should be able to pay for it. You spend almost that money as a break for people who own racehorses. And I think any family making under $125,000 whose kids go to a state university they get into, that should be free as well. Okay, so look. I don't agree with everything that he just said right there, but I do agree with one thing. And that is the idea that canceling $50,000 in student debt is going to help anybody, but some of the most privileged people in the society is completely ridiculous, and, and he should not do it. Now, I've talked about the student loan debt stuff with you guys before. I am somebody who has student loan debt. I carry about, I believe, $35,000 in student loan debt right now from uh, my undergrad days at Syracuse University. Syracuse University is a private university. I took out those loans on my own volition. Nobody put a gun to my head and forced me to take out those loans. And I just don't understand the left's argument that this student loan debt should be canceled. I just really, really don't get it. Look, the student loan debt that I took out allowed me to get a degree, allowed me to go to master's, like all of that stuff, it afforded me a better life. And if you take out that much in loans, and you're not in a career that is paying you enough money to pay those off, then you made poor choices. And what I like what he's saying here and what I like, he's pushing back against the far left wing of this party. I'm telling you guys, I do not like Joe Biden. I did not vote for this man. Okay. I do not like 90% of the things that he wants to do or is doing, but I do also realize that from time to time, he is a barrier to the far left, because I'm telling you what, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and AOC and all of those guys, they want him out of here because they really do want to push these agendas. Research earlier episodes where I really went in depth into this. Most of the people that have $50,000 or more in student loan debt have advanced degrees. So we're talking about doctors. We're talking about lawyers. These people do not need the federal government and taxpayers to cancel their student loan debt. Do you know who this is about? This is about the people that took out hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans to get PhDs in subjects that are not going to get them a job and things that are not going to make them money. To, to get them wealthier, to get them even upper middle class. The woman that answered this question, by the way, uh, probably has some theater degree. I believe she was a manager. I think she said she was a manager of a community theater somewhere in middle America, right? Getting a degree to go into the arts, especially in that way, is silly. 
because the it, the arts don't pay like that and everybody should know it. So the bigger conversation here is not so much that we have so many people that are just crushed under the weight of this student loan debt. The bigger question here is why do we have a society that treats college and, and degrees and all of this stuff as so important when we know that these institutions and these systems are putting people into debt and not getting them the types of jobs that they need to pay that stuff off. And now this thing about free community college, number one, I'm a proud community college graduate. I went to Pikes Peak Community College, Colorado Springs, Colorado. I went to community college after the military because I wasn't sure if I was ready for a four-year university. And I wasn't. So I went to community college. Community college is already cheap as shit. Community college is cheap. Community college is about $60 a credit, okay? And this is even in some of the big cities. Again, not to get ranty here, but these are the things that elites do not know and they expect regular people not to know. You can carry a full load, a full course load, and we're talking 12, 15 credit hours at community college for about $1,200 a semester. You can make $1,200 a semester working part-time. This is not anything that is going to crush you know, somebody's finances. So the idea that taxpayers need to pay for community college is also ridiculous, and it's not taking into account the financial reality behind what community college already is, right? And my problem with the idea making community college free, making public institutions free, all of this other stuff, because this is where it's going, is that it turns community college and it turns public universities into the 13th grade. Our public school systems are terrible. Everybody knows that. You guys have listened to me talk about how bad they are. I'm a product of the public school system. And so now you're going to have these people who are barely learning anything in the public school system going to community college just because it's free. All right. It's bad enough. There's some people in community college that cannot do the work and are there because it's so cheap. If you make it free, it's just going to degrade the quality for everybody. And that is just the actual truth. And that's an inconvenient truth. That is not a politically correct truth, but it is the truth. It will degrade the quality of instruction that people get at community college. The quality of instruction that I got at community college allowed me to transfer to Syracuse University. It's not like this was Harvard or anything like that, but I was like, you know, I'm in community college. I want to transfer to a larger university. I'm just going to make sure I get a 4.0. Then I can't get rejected. Like <laughs> Syracuse couldn't reject me with a 4.0. And that's what I did. And the thing about Joe Biden, and this is what I said, and this is a good thing that he's standing up to the far left in this way, is because the far left is not going to stop because Chuck Schumer and Elizabeth Warren released a joint statement. They're going to push this stuff. So in a statement, they said, Presidents Obama and Trump used their executive authority to cancel student loan debt. And this is another thing with fake news. I'm just like reading this statement. President Trump didn't cancel student loan debt. President Trump made it to where there was a, um, they're, they're foregoing payments on student loans right now. And this is because of the coronavirus pandemic. So that's a lie. But anyway, continue with the statement. The Biden administration has said it is reviewing options for canceling up to $50,000 in student debt by executive action. And we are confident they will agree with the standards Obama and Trump use, as well as leading legal experts who have concluded that the administration has broad authority to immediately deliver much needed relief to millions of Americans. It's time to act. We will keep fighting. Tricky, tricky, tricky that Liz Warren and Chucky Schumer. A lot of word soup in there. And 
this is a way that they're using, they're exerting pressure on Biden to say, well, Trump did this, but Trump didn't cancel any student loan debt. And this is another thing with fake news. Anybody that knows anything about anything knows that a lot of that is a lie. So one good thing that Joe Biden did during this town hall is to stand up to the far left when it comes to this student loan debt forgiveness, because it's not based in fact the canceling student loan debt does nothing but benefit elites that do not need it. I do not need my student loan debt canceled. I took it out. I will pay for it. But I think that Biden did a really good job standing up to the far left in that moment. We will see if it continues. All right, guys, up next, I'm on Facebook right now at Rob Smith Online, and I'm going to answer some questions from the people that are participating in this recording. So we'll be bringing you that right after the break. All right, guys, Q&A time. This is what I like because this is what I love about having this platform and doing all this stuff is that I get to interact with you guys and and have a real conversation about exactly what is going on. Now, somebody asked me, and this is kind of one of my, my favorite things to get into. Cherie Rivera asked me, why do majority of the celebrities push for his campaign and went so hard for Biden? He made those remarks and not one of them even blogs or says anything at all. So this is about the entertainment industry and the mainstream media and basically how they exist to protect Democrats. Celebrities push so hard for Joe Biden and they push so hard for Democrats and they push so hard for leftism because Hollywood and the entertainment industry is so Democrat that you will be blacklisted. You will not work if you don't support Democrats. You will not work if you are vocally conservative. I think that there's the only person that I can think of right now that is a conservative in Hollywood and not a fake conservative, but somebody that actually says something that has an actual career right now is Tim Allen. He's the only one. Tim Allen does Last Man Standing. I believe that's still on Fox. That's it. Who is another conservative right now that is in Hollywood that has been open and honest about either supporting Trump or very vocal about conservative causes that is working? There aren't any. Now, there are these rumors that um, Chris Pratt is conservative, probably. Um, There are these rumors that some of these other actors are conservative, probably. But until they stand up and say, you know, look, um, I'm, I'm either pro-life or, or, or anti-mass immigration or whatever, they're just going to be secret conservatives. And some people right now are saying, oh, they're t- saying Tom Selleck. And, and look, you know, I know and no shade to Tom Selleck and no shade to James Woods and no shade to, you know, uh, any of these other people. But their careers are basically over at this point. Right. So they can say whatever they, they want to say, because and James Woods, whatever. They can say what they want to say because they've already made their money. So that is why so many celebrities push for Biden and push for leftism, because Hollywood is owned by the left. Hollywood is owned by Democrats. They will not work if they say anything else. And I know because I have Hollywood celebrities. And, and look, me, Candace, Brandon, say like everybody, Hollywood people reach out to us all the time. Like, oh, my God, I love your stuff, but I I can never say, you know, that I support you. I can never say that I listen to you. There was, you know, somebody and and they can't even follow you 
Because if somebody digs into who they're following and they see that they're following a conservative, then here comes the outrage mob. So bottom line, these people stump for Democrats because that's it, because that's their industry. And there was another question that somebody asked, I think. And I think that uh, this question had to do with black Americans and, and kind of like waking black people up. Here we go. How can you and other conservative black Americans reach out directly to black Americans, maybe have a town hall, maybe have meetings in our inner cities? Um, And this is from Trini Key. Um, Trini, you're absolutely right. Uh, There are people that are making those moves right now, which is very exciting. I told you guys I was at an event with Kim Klasik, you know, Red Bottoms in, uh, in, in Baltimore, Kim Klasik, and she's starting a pack right now. And what she's also trying to do is she's trying to go on an HBCU tour. HBCU is historically black colleges and universities. And she's trying to bring the black conservative message to these colleges and universities. And the thing about it is, is that we can't just talk about black issues. It, look, I love Fox News. You guys know I do Fox News. But you can't just go on Fox News and talk about black issues. It's not going to work. You have to go where the people are. So you do have to go into cities. You do have to go to town halls. One of the reasons why Kim Klasik blew up so much is that she made Baltimore a focal point of everything that, was she, everything that she was doing. This is a place that is very black. Okay, and and here's another little uh, something that was not reported by the mainstream media is that West Baltimore flipped for Trump and Kim Klasik. So the appetite from black Americans for something new is there. It just really does need to be focused on. And there's something there's actually something that I've got com- coming up that I'm very excited about. I can't spill the beans just yet because it's not. It's not, a, it's not a done deal yet, but this is something that's very near and dear to my heart, and this is all about taking that conservative message to black Americans, because I'm telling you guys, this is, this is what needs to happen. This is going to be the future. Let me do one more question from you guys. Oh, God, here we go. Oh, Sarah Jane. Okay. She asked me, Rob Smith, do you ever get tired of your supporters asking you to run for office? Because we never get tired of asking you to. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I'm going to answer this uh, as best as best I can. It is politics is a machine, guys. D.C. is a machine. Washington is a machine. The way all of this stuff works, it is a machine, And I'm not at the point in my life where I am ready to hop into that particular arena. It's a machine. Um, I I have a lot of criticisms about how people on both sides of the aisle run things. And honestly, to tell you the truth, sometimes we can have more influence outside of the political sphere. Will I run for office one day? Most likely. Um, if, if it's something that I feel called to do. If, if, if there's a way that I can actually be of service, then I will run for office. But what I will not do is I cannot run for office to just be another cog in the wheel and to just do 
the bidding of a political party. I, I just, I can't do it right now. It's just, it's not in my heart right now. What I love about the platform I have right now is that I can call out BS on both sides of the aisle and I can just keep it 100% real all the time. If I run for office as a Republican, I got to toe the line. You got to toe the line all the time. And I'm not, I'm not in the place right now where I feel like towing the line in that way. But I never get tired of you guys asking me if I'm going to run for office because that means that you care. And I appreciate that you're caring. And it's, it's humbling and it honors me that you guys think that I will be a great candidate for public office. So you can't support me for public office in, in this moment because I'm not running anytime soon. But there's lots of other different ways that you can support. I'm going to be launching um, an organization that I'm really excited about soon um, that is black conservative focused to try to get this message out. So there'll be all kinds of different ways to support the movement and everything that I'm doing in ways that do not include me running for office. So that is the long answer. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.